Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. You like your TV, Joe? It's not bad. I'm getting to the point where I probably need to think about getting an upgrade. I got a a nice set. Um, It's now, oh boy, it's now 13 years old. For real? Yeah, it's a 13-year-old Sony television. Wow. It's I mean, it's in good shape. I mean, heck, I still I still have the the first HD TV Kelly and I purchased, I think in 2006. It was oh man, it's like a it's 1080p LCD when LCDs were still super expensive. That thing's still humming. It was flat. It's a Haas. It's a flat screen, but okay. it's it's a Haas for what it was. Yeah. It weighs 200 pounds. It's it's heavy. It's heavy for what it is. I mean, it's not the 27-inch Sony Trinitron that I had back in the day, like my first actual big boy TV with 27-inch Sony Trinitron, which I picked 27 inches over 32 inches because I could carry it one like by myself while throwing my back out, but that's another story altogether. Anyway, maybe you, you've been eyeballing a new TV. I say... Don't go out and buy one. Enter our contest. We've got the ultimate TV giveaway going on right now. It's the ultimate TV for the ultimate game. You can win a 70-inch television and a sound bar from SoundStation and Security along with Food for 10. How do you do this? Easy. All you got to do is text the keyword FAN, F-A-N, that's FAN, to 919-860-5FAN. FAN. To 919-860-5326. You'll be entered to win the ultimate TV for the ultimate game, including a sound bar from SoundStation and security. Told you there was a big time Carolina Hurricanes breaking news. I will deliver that breaking news to you. Max Pacioretty has been activated from the injured non-roster list. You'll remember back in August... He had surgery to repair his Achilles, a torn Achilles. He hasn't been in any games. Uh, the optimistic view for the Carolina Hurricanes was that he's going to be back in February. It looks like that optimistic view held true. Uh, we talked. We, we talked about what the Canes needed, you know, consistent scoring, and Max Pacioretty was somebody that you looked at as one of those in-season acquisitions. That's not really an in-season acquisition. It's not it's like a trade deadline situation. You're getting a guy. You haven't had him. They just they had a, a a point streak broken last night, and they haven't had one of the guys they brought in to take him to that next level, and it looks like that process to get him back on the ice begins. So yeah, Max Pacioretty has been activated for the Carolina Hurricanes. Good timing on that too, because Stefan Nason left yesterday's game early with an injury and didn't return. Timing is everything. Maybe everything will break the Carolina Hurricanes' way this year. We shall see. Speaking of the Canes, you know one thing I'm still waiting to see. What their outdoor game jersey is going to look like? Yeah, I really liked what the Penguins wore yeah. with that P on the front. That was nice. I I enjoyed that. I like Boston. Very plain. I like Boston with the little bear on it too. I thought I thought, I thought that was a cool throw. It didn't look unusual to me. Like the Pittsburgh one was like okay, and this is something completely different. Yeah, I like. I'm with you. Uh, given the two, I like Pittsburgh's yeah. over over Boston's, but I did like the the old school bear on the jersey. There's been a 
rumored leak of the jersey floating around on the internet. I hope that's not it. I'm, I'll just leave it at that. I hope that's not it, especially considering we've seen some cool stuff, and I usually trust the Carolina Hurricanes to put out cool stuff. I mean, I I know it's not going to happen, but that uh, strutting Stormy, I got the T-shirt of, you got me a pennant, it's now in the cubicle. Like, if you put that on the jersey, it would sell like hotcakes, and it would make sense because it's at Carter-Finley Stadium. To be fair, whatever they wear is going to sell like hotcakes. Yeah, so. That's a good point. That's a good point. People do love a New Jersey. Uh, speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes, their building mates, the NC State Wolfpack basketball team, they're in action tonight against the Duke Blue Devils. We talked about opportunities for the NCAA tournament starting to run thin for the Wolfpack. Uh, two of their like teams in ACC play, Wake Forest, who's taken on North Carolina tonight, and Pitt have actually won key opportunity games to put them on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble. Pitt, I owe, I owe, I owe an apology to Pitt and Jeff Capel. Uh, I wrote them off in December. I actually I went against my own rules of not taking too much into December basketball. Look who's 4-0 in ACC play with key wins, including one last night against Virginia, a team that Gilio and I both were in agreement would win the league. Now, they can still win the league. I don't expect Pitt to go undefeated. Uh, in fact, there are no They're not more... going to. I, They're I, not. I whammied them. You did whammy them. Um, by the way, fun fact, no more undefeated teams in NCAA basketball. Yeah, little Patino lost last night. That, that, that happened last night. But this, this conversation about NC State goes beyond just their NCAA tournament opportunities. This is also about Kevin Keats. And this is not a situation where this is a must-win for Kevin Keats and his job and everything else. That's, that's silly talk. We've, we've gotten some Hey Joe questions that I refuse to answer because they're related to whether or not they'd move on from Keats in the middle of the season. They're not. Just let's not do that. But I think it's fair to look at what NC State has left and whether or not they can make the NCAA tournament and what that means for Kevin Keats' future with the Wolfpack. I've said this from the moment we knew he was coming back for another season, something that you and I both agreed was had to happen, makes sense to happen, give him an opportunity to retool the coaching staff, see what you can get in the transfer portal, have one more crack at it. But for me, it was always under the premise of if you don't make the tournament, then it's probably time to move on from Kevin Keats. I don't say that with any sort of ill intent. I'm just saying that's the business, man. At some point, you got to make it look like you are going in the right direction, and another year of missing the tournament would indicate that it's not. What's crazy is tonight, when you look at the net right now, okay, top 30, a team has to be in the top 30 for you to have a home game that is a Q1 game. Mm -hmm. So tonight when they play Duke, 16 in the net, that's a Q1 game. Carolina at 29 needs to kind of get their act together for that game in Raleigh to be a Q1 game. Right now, the Miami game, when they get here, might doesn't look like it will be a Q1 game. Mm. So, And you might say, well, what, what does Q1 matter? The Q1 games are the ones that the tournament committee looks at, okay? You and I have argued about bad losses and their value, we, and we probably will again. It's an evergreen in for February us, really. and March, and that's fine. Yeah. But one thing we don't we totally agree on is you have to have the good scalps on your resume. Yeah. And unfortunately for NC State, and unfortunately for the rest of the ACC, the number one, the highest rated team right now in the net is Duke at sixteen. That's not great. Virginia at twenty, Carolina at twenty nine. So literally. Those are the only three teams you could play on your home floor right now and have that count as a Q1 game. State does not play Virginia at home this season. 
They only go to Virginia. That's a problem. So the opportunities that they have, they went to Miami. We talked about that game. They let it go. They played Kansas pr- fairly well. Kansas is a really good team. That was stayed at its best, by the way. Mm-hmm. Dusan Mahorsic was healthy. Mm-hmm. Jack Clark was healthy. Neither is playing tonight in this game. So you're already getting to the atrophy portion of your of your injuries and who's there and who's not there. And you know, quite frankly, the biggest knock on Kevin can be he hasn't handled the injuries. He hasn't handled the loss of players in stride. Yeah, he, he hasn't been able to just take the guys that he has and coach them up and make them better. And I think that's you know that's the biggest knock on him. And tonight's going to be another one of those examples. And they need to crave on Smith tonight to play like a guy who's making $300,000 because he is. That's the catch. You got to coach the team that you have. Yeah. You got to coach the team that you have. Some some coaches are really good at scrambling with what they have yeah. on their roster. Yep. And unfortunately, we just have not we have not seen that with NC State under Kevin Keats. We've seen some some bright spots, don't get me wrong. He's got some good wins uh during his time here, but you got to consistently make the NCAA tournament, and that's just not something that's happened, and that's ultimately going to be the story of Kevin Keats's time. With the Wolfpack. One other note about the ACC you like to bring up net. I don't like bringing up net because we don't know what net is. And we don't know how the NCAA yeah. even uses its own sorting tool. Other than we know the Q1 matters. We yes. know that Q1 matters. Yes. You're absolutely right about that. We know Q1 matters, but I don't know anything about net. I do believe in Ken Palm. I do believe in Bart Torvik. These are things that are open sourced, if you will. We know what these predictive measures are about. And this is something to keep in mind when it comes to any team in the ACC and NCAA tournament aspirations. Right now... As we're getting into the meat of conference play, it's bad numbers feeding bad numbers again. The ACC is sixth overall as a conference, according to Ken Palm. The best ACC squads in Ken Palm are Virginia at 13 and Duke at 14. This is a repeat of what we had last year, where it was bad numbers from the out-of-conference schedule, now feeding into what you see in conference play, and nobody really helping each other, especially the top teams are not going to act like the top teams. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. West Durham joins us now on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. He's part of a big four comeback. One night only, Wes. we got a doubleheader on the ACC Network, NC State and Duke followed by North Carolina and Wake Forest. You'll be at PNC Arena tonight. What up, man? Good to see you, boys. Happy New Year. Everybody good? Happy New Year to you. Typically, typically when NC State hosts Duke, fireworks happen, Wes. How's how's it going to happen tonight? Uh, Terquavion Smith uh, breaks David Thompson's single-game scoring record. (laughs) Don't say that while I'm drinking water. Jeez. <laughs> you shouldn't have any liquids in the studio anyway. Shh. Don't tell anybody, Wes. Nobody's watching. No, so Jillio hey, um, and I were talking about that earlier. Like, it's going to okay. have to be one of those types of games where a dude yep. does his thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, because where Duke is right now, Duke is looking for their Turquavion Smith. I mean, Duke, when, let me ask you this. I mean, when you look at Duke's scoring, okay, when you look at their regular season scoring 
stat sheet. They have four guys averaging 10 or more points. If you look at their conference game stat sheet of the, of the conference play, mm-hmm. they have two guys averaging 10 or more points, but those two guys aren't any of the four that I listed in the regular season scoring sheet. So Duke is kind of finding their way with their versatility, their flexibility, their health, all those things. So it's a different kind of Duke team right now. Um, now, it can become a team that has a go-to guy that, you know, gets them 16 to 20 or whatever the case may be. But right now, if you're looking for somebody that you can count on, I mean, the, the best count-on guy in the in the game tonight might be Terquavion Smith, and, and rightly so, given his uh, propensity to, to carry a team from a scoring perspective. Dan Bonner and I were talking today kind of in, in preparation as we were watching Duke's workout. I mean, you think about Terquavion Smith, you probably got to go back to Eric Green to, of Virginia Tech to find a high-volume, high-scoring player in the ACC who's capable of carrying a game like this. Oh, I was going to say, it's not Maybe. the person you want to be compared to. <laughs> no, no. The well, last I mean, place for the, for the, where he won the player of the year. Well, for, wait, for those, who don't, remember, for those who don't remember Eric Green, he was a fantastic player who put up huge numbers night in, night out for a bad Virginia Tech team. But anyway, well, go to the last place. Let me go this way. Okay, Jillio, try this one. Is TJ Warren that kind of player? Well, they made the NCAA tournament, so. <laughs> okay. I mean, the point being here, you got a guy who is a – a go-get guy who yeah. could go get yeah. you 40. And it may take that tonight. I don't know that it will. I mean, I think tonight, to be honest with you, one of the fascinating pieces of this game is DJ Burns and Ryan Young. I mean, because Young is coming off a ball game where he's 7-7 seven seven from the floor. He's like 12-13 or 13 in his last two games. Mm-hmm. And you got a Burns guy. Now, DJ should have stayed on the floor longer the other night at Clemson. He got in too much foul trouble. But Burns is somebody you're probably going to have to find a way to lean on tonight and he could be an impactful player in this game as well for NC State. Western from the ACC Network, ESPN, joining us here on every, as he does every Wednesday on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's Joe Obvious. I'm Joe Giglio. All right, Wes, I'm going to ask you a little bit about John Shire. Uh, obviously, you, you've spent a lot of time in, in pregame warm-ups and walkthroughs with Mike Krzyzewski. Just get, give me an idea of how the two differ and uh, how they oh. handle the team and how they handle the players. Well, I think, that, I think, number one, John has got a terrific grasp on what he wants his Duke basketball program to be, Joe. And I think that's the one thing I've noticed in the in the two games I've had, uh, this one in Boston College, and ironically, uh, Dan and I are on their next three games after tonight. Uh, this is the BC home game with Pitt and the road game at Clemson. So we're going to get a pretty good grasp of what he wants to do. I, to me, the communication, uh, the efficiency, by the way, that they go through things, um, you know, stuff like that has, has been kind of earmarked by me just in terms of a, a bit of a change. But you got to remember, when, when I came to television 10 years ago, Mike Krzyzewski was 30-odd years into a program and it won national championships and kind of had it molded and systemed the way he wants. John is definitely, I think, putting his personality on Duke basketball, and uh, I, I think he does a terrific job. I, I'm excited to see what he's building and how he's going to do it in, in the image that he would like to see Duke go. Yeah, I marvel at what he's been able to do this year, considering he hasn't had the two players that he probably thought he would build this season off of. And I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, and I shouldn't think in such a narrow window, but I'm thinking in terms of you were there last year, Cameron, for, for you know, the, the tension, my goodness gracious, around the yeah. program last season. It just has to be very freeing. 
I know, well, basically it's Jeremy Roach and, and Jalen Blakes yeah. who are the only ones who are still around. But it, there has to be a little bit of a house money deal that you normally wouldn't think of when you're replacing a legend. Yeah. Like, normally I mean, you're, you're walking around like, oh, my God, I'm not Mike Krzyzewski. Or, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? Mike's not here. And, and now it's it just really feels like John uh, has really taken an ownership and quite quickly of that program. I totally agree. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that he knew for over a year that this is what was going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that, and I can't remember if it was Brendan Marks that wrote it in The Athletic. I think it was about some of the processes they went through a year ago where if it dealt with recruiting or something that had to do with 22-23, John would have a meeting with, I think, Chris Carowell and at the time, um, Nolan Smith and maybe even uh, Emil Jefferson, who now all of a sudden certainly is an assistant coach and things like that. They were doing some systems and platforms and infrastructure of what his team was going to be about. So I think in many, many ways, uh, he was well-versed and well-prepared for what this was going to be. Other than, uh, the other piece I would add is this too. I think he understands kind of the personality and the evolution of a basketball season especially today mm-hmm. where the portal is so volatile. You have the, you know, the one and dones that obviously Duke is familiar with, but he's been able to kind of look and say, okay, you mentioned without lively and healthy and whitehead healthy, you know, what would Duke be? And, and I think you're right about that. But I think the other part about it is too, John sees a path where this Duke team gets better as the season evolves, that they don't have to play necessarily their best basketball, even though they'd want to, they will have to play their best basketball in game one. They, as long as they're playing it at the end of the year or ascending that way, I think it's a good thing. West Durham ACC Network joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovies. We'll take a quick break. We'll go to the other big four game of the night tonight <laughs> with North Carolina and Wake Forest. Demon Deacons, by the way, doing something I'm yeah. sure a lot of NC State fans wished their squad has done so far this season, but hasn't. So Wake Forest Frisky, we'll, we'll discuss that next. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline like he always does hey. on a Wednesday. Yes, Wes. Am I, uh, am I right that 99.9, the fans, Mike Glennon, has signed a practice squad contract? Uh, actually, I heard that it's, correctly? It's, it's pack therapies, Mike Glennon. Let's uh... – Let's protect my own intellectual property here, please. <laughs> which We're, is which is under the capital just, broadcasting just umbrella. Stop over there. Because I, I, I got to start my own broadcasting academy. podcast, Jillio. Yeah, I, I, I got to I got to start capital. my own academy. I'm gonna start my own umbrella here. I'm gonna <laughs> branch out, sell it out. Oh, just say. like your own version of the Newhouse School of former student yeah. athletes at NC State yeah. who jump into broadcasting. Nah, yes. nah, okay, nah. Gilio's out here trying to do his own Grantland, uh, from what I can tell. That's oh, what, okay, that's what, he's got, got his own okay. you know, subsidiary in the grand scheme of things. Got it. Going to get Scott. Uh, Glennon has signed a deal. Bottom line, yeah. Glennon has signed a deal. Yeah, practice squad deal with the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah it's it's a. It's hey, an how ace- about this? How about this Week 18 ACC quarterback surge in the NFL? I was just about to bring up Sam Howell uh, getting the starting job in Washington. <laughs> I got it right this time. You did. I'm so proud of I you. I didn't call him Sam Darnold. All the Sams. No, so uh, I, you brought up the, the Sam Howell situation, and now mm-hmm. the Falcons and the and the Panthers and the Saints are all in the same boat right now in the NFC, just like Washington's in the same boat. You might as well see right. what you got in Howell. I I, I talked about it in the preseason. Right. The, the conditions were ripe for Hal to start earlier, in my view. Mm-hmm. But Heineke ended up being pretty good. Um, they, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Howell deserves a shot. Let's see what he's got, man. Right. 
let me just tell you this it's win when you can and win while you can yeah and then when that when that vehicle is over when that avenue is closed you better find out what the future holds and i would tell you i think desmond ritter in atlanta has something to do with that i think sam howell's gonna have 60 minutes to flash in washington um i think you're gonna see rosters all over the nfl of teams that aren't going to be in the postseason trying to sort out you know what they have under the hood because here's the deal and you know jonathan jones i know does sometimes with you guys that he can explain how the timeline works after the regular season where you got to get your roster set not just your active roster but your practice squads and your futures you got to try and get that stuff done and you want to know for sure where you are just beyond the marquee positions of quarterback and things of that nature. Wes Durham, ACC Network, joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Especially Julio. if Harbaugh is coaching the Panthers. Stop it. Stop it. At this rate, it's going to be Bobby Petrino. He keeps jumping jobs. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Hey, wait a second. Falcons Bobby legend. Petrino. Bobby, oh, no. Hey, wait. <laughs> Bobby Petrino, who briefly was in Atlanta and was even more briefly in Las Vegas. He had the offensive coordinator job in Las Vegas for, what, a week before he took off for Texas A&M? Uh, 10 days. 10 okay, days. Right, yeah, I mean, right. 13 games, 10 days, 13 games, Atlanta, <laughs> 10 days. Take your pick. All right. He's got a pattern. So here's the deal. I texted four people from the Southeastern Conference Network earlier today. I can't wait for their production meetings next year in College Station with Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, and DJ Durkin. Unreal, man. Unreal. Football karma is real. I forgot DJ Durkin. Was oh, there. Yeah, he's so real. Yeah, he's there. So real. He's there. Yeah. Best. yeah. DJ Durkin, Bobby Petrino, how do you think those inter-squad games are going to go, Gilio? Best joke. Huh? Best What's joke, your thought there? Best Ooh. joke I saw, if Dabo's out here talking about name, image, and likeness, it being Jesus' name, image, and likeness, Jimbo Fisher's out here doing it in Judas's name, image, and likeness with Bobby Petrino joining the squad. Woo! Anyway, um... All right, we're. You want to talk about Carolina Wake now? Well, uh, you know, I tell you what. Actually, since we we, we only have so much time, I actually did want to get on a serious. Oh, I wanted out get, of time. I wanted to get no, a serious not. topic. I wanted a serious Never topic with you, with you. Um, because you've been in this position uh, that mm-hmm. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were in on Monday night with yep. Demar Hamlin and a cardiac arrest. And look, the, it's not. This instance isn't the first time something like this has happened, but I think the magnitude of it happening on Monday night football has kind of right. created conversations that I think we've needed to have. But you've you you've been in this situation in a broadcast where something catastrophic has happened and, and you what you're used to doing goes out the window. So how did how did you handle that when you found yourself yourself in this situation? How do you how do you see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman handle this? Well, first of all, I thought Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, I, I thought ESPN was exemplary the other mm-hmm. night. They were. At, at all levels. Uh, I thought Ryan Clark became the voice of a sport that America needed to hear from, with Scott Van Pelt, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, I thought he was terrific. When you're a broadcaster, and you're, and you're talking about the event five years ago with Ty Solomon of South Carolina State in PNC Arena against NC State, the only thing you can do is be as factual as you can with the information that you have. Mm -hmm. And it was important for Mike Jeminski and I, and Casey Carter was our producer and Ken Neal was our director. And I'll share with you that not 20 minutes after DeMar Hamlin went to the field the other night and it was evident it was more than just an injury, Casey Carter sent a text to everybody that was involved in that basketball game five years ago. 
because we knew what was unfolding was eerily similar to what we went through. And I would say this, our job was to chronicle what was happening without knowing for sure what was happening, mm-hmm. if you follow me, right? Because yeah. what you don't want to do, and I thought Joe Buck was really important to do this, I thought in Lisa Salter's the same way, they did not want to speculate. You don't want to speculate on what is happening because, you know, we got enough of these out there to speculate. Oh, yeah, easy. Right. right. So I, I thought that's one of the strong suits that they had. And then as the process starts to unfold and Hamlin is taken from the field, then the mechanics of what's going to transpire, you're then dealing with the raw emotion of the event. And for us, you know, with the NC State-South Carolina State game, it was, you know, South Carolina State going back to their locker room and spending that obligatory 10, 15, 20 minutes to decide whether or not they were going to try and continue playing the ball game that day in Raleigh. Right. That was the same process that I think, quite frankly, the Bengals and, and Bills went through the other night was, you know, what, what do you know? How do you, how do you go about doing it? And I, I think Joe and Troy did a great job. Lisa Salters was terrific. She, yeah. Um, and you can only do what you instinctively know to do but you, you've got to walk it to that line. You don't want to say something that would be speculative in, in any way, shape, or form, really. And I, I thought everybody did a really fair job and an outstanding job of, of doing the facts and then also processing the emotion. And for that, you needed Booger McFarland and Ryan Clark and Troy Aikman and guys who had, had been on that playing field and seen those type of things happen. Although, as all of them admitted, They had never seen that happen before. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Julius. I'm Joe Giglio. All right. Uh, Joe was excited about the college football playoff games, giving life to these arguments that are or silencing some of the arguments. Oh, man, if they expand the playoffs, none of these games will be interesting. They'll all be blowouts, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, I enjoy seeing someone else in there in TCU. I enjoyed finally seeing the best of Ohio State. I do think it's fait accompli that Georgia will repeat. But what did you kind of think of those two games? And what do you think of the title game that we'll get on the ninth? Um, boy, I really like Sonny Dykes and the way he coaches his football team, man. Um, I and like Gar- those and Garrett Riley. Yeah, Garrett Riley's terrific too, no question. Um, I think that you've got – players at TCU that are playing with a massive chip on their shoulder. And I think that helped them against Michigan. And then JJ, uh, JJ McCarthy helped them with his press quotes. Right. Um, (laughs) I think that the other thing that's going to come into play here is that you're going to have a Georgia team that I don't want to say they got away with it, but they maybe didn't play with their fastball and they found a way to win, right? They made some mistakes, stuff like that. And Georgia got, Georgia was able to survive it. Kirby Smart calls the most important timeout in the last 25 years of Georgia football. Um, And I think that Stetson Bennett is proving to be one of the best college quarterbacks we've ever seen. Now I've joked in the Atlanta area, it'll mean nothing here except for the Georgia fans in the triangle that Stetson Bennett has now went away from putting all the other former Georgia, quarterbacks that have had some degree of success post-football career in the Atlanta market out of business because this guy I mean he wins two national championships he gets a statue and everything else he wants um you know 
there'll be Fred Ridley will be calling him wanting to know if he'd like to join Augusta. Oh boy. I mean, you know, the if idea he hasn't already. Ha- yeah, it's a good point. Well, yeah. That's a good point. The idea I mean, got this, one. <laughs> the idea of this happening to Georgia right now is twofold. One, they waited forty two years for it to happen again and now they're gonna get it back to back. That's one piece of the pie. The second piece of the pie is it's not going anywhere, Gilio. This is not going these guys are gonna be here for a while. He's built this program in the same mold and pattern that Nick built Alabama. And people need to realize that. Mm-hmm. He's built it for stability and staying power. As long as the NIL game's in play, they're going to be a factor. As long as we got transfer portal, they're going to be a factor. They're not going anywhere. So it makes the hill steeper for Josh Heifel, Billy Napier, Shane Beamer, whoever else is coaching. And God bless Steve Sarkeesian and Brent Venables. What in the world are they thinking coming into that league in two years? Money. That's what they're thinking about. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN. They'll be thinking about it when they're four and eight, obviously. I'll, uh, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you at PNC Arena in a little tonight. Bit. Yeah, no, you won't. Gilio, you no, you won't. Gilio, no, you, you will not see him. He'll be on the floor. We will not be on the floor. I mean, you will see him I, from up above. No, when I walk into you the, will not see when West I tonight. walk into the building. You will not. All right, you know we're gonna have to, we're gonna address this later. How about if we hang around? Hey, what do we have a little post game confab tonight? Let's do it. Let's do it tonight. Let's, after the game, yes. After the game, Wes. Let's make that Perfect. happen. After the game. All right, I like it. We'll see you then. Maybe I'll be a part of the panic room tonight. Yay! By God. Hey, let's go, Wes. Life goals. All right, man. We'll talk to you later.